0: I am emily lyons in 2011 without a high school degree and with no money to my name i decided to start my own business since then i've built several multi-million dollar companies and i don't plan on stopping being a businesswoman ceo serial entrepreneur survivor and general life enthusiast i've endlessly jazzed by the business of life especially the stories of extraordinary people i've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself, and I think you deserve to be utterly lifted and shifted by these people too. All inspiring people are inspired people, so get ready to be inspired. The world's greatest. What a way to be referred to. Something so many of us dream of achieving, and my guest today has done just that. I am talking with Haley Wickenheiser wildly considered the greatest female hockey player of all time. She represented Canada at the Olympics five times, capturing four gold medals and one silver medal and twice being named MVP. She is now the assistant director of player development for the Toronto Maple Leafs and is in medical school at the University of Calgary to become an emergency doctor. She was the first woman to play full-time professional hockey and she has lived her life going against the grain. Haley used the adversity to fuel her to want to be the best. She shares her story with me today and making a new status quo. Hi, Haley. It's a pleasure to talk to you today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So now growing up as a girl in Canada that, you know, always dreamed of something bigger and paving her own path, you were always a, a big inspiration. I guess I just kind of did my thing and
1: uh, <laughs> I I've inspired lots along the way. That's, that's always nice to hear.
0: Yeah, it was funny because my mom, Gail, she absolutely adores you and everything you represent and, you know, strong, proud Canadian woman. And Like, I mean, she's a super fan. She has your book. She's got all the books about you. And yeah, yesterday she said she was having heart palpitations because she was so excited. And she doesn't usually get like that because like my companies (laughs) and myself have worked with some pretty cool people over the years, like Kevin Hart, Jennifer Lopez, Drake, Justin Bieber, and she could care less. But- (laughs) It was different with you. So it actually intrigued me a little bit. And I started to mention your name to some associates and friends and gauge the reaction. And immediately people would smile and immediately say things like, oh, greatest female hockey player ever, or, you know, inspiring. And, you know, my friend Sarah actually said it gave her goosebumps thinking about you. And I got to thinking that I think it's because you are such a symbol for Canadians and for anyone who has ever felt discriminated against or like an underdog?
1: Thank you for the kind, cool words and uh, (laughs) hi to your mom, Gail. Yeah, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody kind of like an underdog and, you know, certainly in my situation and all the women that I played with through the years, you know, we didn't play for money. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. We didn't really play for much else than the pure love of the game and I think in doing so we had a lot of success you know through the years that I played too and we, we won a lot so people I think really gravitate towards someone who can have a success kind of on their own terms without really needing a whole lot and uh, when you play for your country I don't think I've ever seen anything that brings people together in Canada outside of a Canadian hockey game at the Olympics um mm-hmm. not even in the NHL politics doesn't do it you know there's not much that does bring all of us regardless where you're from together and so that's why I love sports so much and why I love hockey is the joy of being able to unite people that otherwise wouldn't have a common ground and when I step back from my career now that's really what I take away and what I notice and even you know working in medicine you work with people from all over the world that come through the door that need help and you know, you can always, you know, have a common ground and you talk a little bit of hockey. So, <laughs> so it's been interesting, but it was, it was a great run while it lasted.
0: So I've Googled you, obviously, quite a lot, and all your achievements and your titles that people know come up, but I also kept hearing and reading about your heart and the type of human you are. So I'm curious to hear who Haley Wickenheiser is without the titles, like the real Haley.
1: Well, I guess it depends who you ask, but I think, you know, on the ice, I was very intense player. Um, Mm. I was very driven. I didn't go and play on the national team to go to the Olympics for, you know, a free ride. I went there to win a gold medal. That was my um, mindset fully and completely. And so I was very much a student to move. I guess you call it having a PhD in your sport. I really loved the game. I studied the game. I still do to stay in my role with the league. But away from the rank, I think people that really know me would say I'm pretty laid back and relaxed and, you know, relatively easygoing. I think I'm a bit of an A-type personality in the sense that I like to have, you know, control over my life and my schedule mm-hmm. and all of those things. But yeah, I'm kind of, a, I would describe myself as a bit of a seeker, like always looking to elevate myself or whatever I'm doing. I like to do whatever I'm doing to the best of my ability. So now if it's practicing medicine, i I find, you know, sometimes I get a little bit into like almost a workaholic pattern where I have to actually say, okay, enough's enough, you can't know everything. And yeah, a lot of it, like I love adventure, I love travel, I love to spend time with my son, And probably very different than what I was like, what my teammates would describe me like on the ice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What do you think always attracted you so much to hockey?
1: Every time you stepped on the ice, it was different. So every shift, you know, if you look at hockey, every time a player steps out there, it's never the same thing twice. And I actually think I probably have a bit of ADHD in a way that I could never do a job or a sport where I did the same thing over and over and over again. It's just not who I am. So that was what attracted me to hockey at a very young age is that ability to just go out there and try all these different things. And being on the outdoor rink in Saskatchewan where I grew up. I could make it my own. So I could go out there at nine o'clock at night by myself and I could create whatever I wanted to. And that's actually how I taught myself the game. So
0: I love the creativity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you have to be a good athlete. You have to be great in so many areas as an athlete, but then you also have to think, you have to use your brain. And I've always been that way, I guess, growing up that I enjoy the academic side as much as the sports side.
0: Mm -hmm. But growing up in a small town in Saskatchewan, it was not common for girls to play, correct?
1: I think there was just a couple of girls that played in my town, and I was the only one that really stuck with it long term. Mm-hmm. So, in the nineteen ninety women's world championships, the first televised game was from Ottawa, and they wore these really awful pink jerseys. <laughs> and uh, you know, I think there was a bit of a marketing gimmick. And yeah. but I remember watching on TSN, and I was like, whoa, like other women play hockey too like I thought I was the only (laughs) girl on the planet playing the game so it's crazy how um yeah yeah you know I grew up very sort of isolated in my little pocket of the world and that made me tough because there was a lot of resistance to as I started playing and growing up you know a lot of people didn't want to see a girl do well Hmm. take a spot of a boy but at the same time they needed bodies to fill a team so (laughs) in my community I was very much supported and lifted up by the people that I was growing up with. But in other areas and other towns, it wasn't quite as welcoming.
0: Did it bother you?
1: Not at all. I think, if anything, it really fueled my fire. I kind Mm -hmm. of got into this attitude of, you know, I'll prove you wrong. And I think I lived much of my career, every time I stepped up on the ice, even uh, later into my career, I felt, you know, I had, if somebody was watching and didn't believe in women's hockey. So it drove me to say, yeah, women can play the game too. and. I'm going to show you, I'll prove you wrong. But then as I I got a little bit older, I realized that that's kind of an exhausting way to live and I don't have to prove anything to anybody. And so I kind of let that go at some point, but much of my childhood was spent just almost in my own head trying to justify that I was worthy enough to play the game when I I know I didn't have to, but that's how I felt. So it was a lot of pressure I put on myself probably more than anything, but Mm -hmm. um,
0: yeah. So you were the first woman to ever make it onto a men's pro team. I think it may be the only woman. Is that correct? Yeah. And then you got cut <laughs> for being a girl. Yeah. So I, two
1: different stories, but yeah. So I got, you're right about that. So I played midget AAA as a 15 year old and mm-hmm. I was like 15 games into the season. So that's not pro hockey, but still minor hockey. And Okay. And no girl had ever played that high of a level of midget triple-A hockey in Calgary. And I remember coming back from a road trip and the coach called me into his office and he said, I'm, I'm sorry, I just can't handle having a girl on the team. I'm going to have to oh, let you go. my God. And yeah, it was really devastating. And I joined the national team later that year and kind of the rest of history. But first and only time I was ever really cut in my life, actually. And then I went on to play professional men's hockey for parts of two seasons in Finland and a season in Sweden. So... You know, that was a actually a great experience. I love my time over, especially in Finland. Still keep in touch with a lot of the teammates that I played with there. And my son loved going to school in Sweden. In grade four, he learned how to speak Swedish. So Aww. there were a lot of pros to it. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't easy. I think I always found that I had to prove myself. So mm-hmm. if I walked into an environment, I, you know, the first two weeks, you know, there wasn't too many people talking to me. But as soon as they could see that I could play the game, then they would start to sort of open up a bit. and and uh, respect me for being the player I was. So in the men's environment, I actually felt almost more comfortable because I had lived it my whole life. Oh. uh, But sometimes in the women's environment, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely a leadership style that is probably more conducive to the men's side than the women's side. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's why though, that's where my life was mostly spent.
0: What uh, do you think was the hardest thing you had to overcome?
1: I think it was myself, really, was the expectation and the pressure I felt on myself, that wasn't necessarily being placed on me from elsewhere, but I felt a responsibility almost to every time I stepped on the ice, I had better be the best player on the ice in mm-hmm. my own mind because people would be saying, you know, girls don't play hockey. So I had this feeling, and I put a lot of pressure on myself uh, for, you know, a lot of years like that. Externally, it, you know, it constantly, I don't know, a day didn't, hasn't gone by in my life that I haven't justified had to answer a question about the women, some dumb question I get asked about women's hockey or (laughs) women (laughs) in sport or something that somebody says. But I just look at it as re-educating people, not anything to overcome. And then, yeah, I think it comes mostly from internal.
0: So, you know, being known as the world's greatest female hockey player, what would you say is a way to cultivate and find greatness in life? You know, something that I do good question. and I've done over the years yeah. is a lot of visualization for my dreams, you know, with building the different businesses that I had, and I've done it since the beginning. What have you used to achieve your goals?
1: I think one of the things that I like to do is start at the end and work backwards. Mm-hmm. So I start at the Olympic Games in Sochi in 2018, and as soon as 2010 Olympics finished in Vancouver literally within a week or so, we're already looking ahead to the next game. And then what is it going to take to get there? And how do I work backwards to this day to get to my goal? So I had a really devastating foot injury after the 2014 Olympics where I couldn't actually walk on my foot wow. for four months and had to have two surgeries, a reconstruction. It was quite serious. And uh, I didn't know if I'd ever play again. So what I did was I used that same concept was I looked ahead to four months okay they said I could walk in four months I could touch my foot to the ground okay so that's four months from now what am I going to do from this day forward to make a plan to get there and then every day I would just chip away I think it sometimes helps to not get overwhelmed by doing that to know that yes I can't walk today and I'm very sore and I'm in pain but tomorrow it's going to be less Mm -hmm. and then you know what you're faced with moving forward and then I think it's just the consistent day-to-day habits of doing what it takes to get there. A lot of people want to do a lot of things, but they're not really willing to put in the work and the sacrifice that it actually takes mm-hmm. to, to get there. And it just comes down to how much you love something and how much are you willing to work to go towards that?
0: Mm-hmm. And how
1: much are you willing to not listen to the critical opinion of others? Because if I would have listened through my whole life to the amount of people that said, girls don't play hockey, you have no future, you should just pack it in. I would have quit the game at 12 years old. So yeah. So I think all of those lessons sort of serve me well now when I'm in sort of another area in medicine where it's very overwhelming and you don't know anything, but you know that you will someday. And so <laughs> just, you know, how can I chip away every day to learn some things and to get better and better? So that's kind of how I feel and just generally with anything in life.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I love that. So after you won the gold medals, did you feel fulfilled?
1: That's a good question. You know what? The gold medal, it definitely means something to me. Yes, to win. Do I feel fulfilled with a gold medal? No. What I feel more fulfilled with is the fact that I could step off the ice after a gold medal game and feel like I had a gold medal performance regardless Mm -hmm. of what kind of medal was around my neck. Yeah. Yes. I'm not gonna lie when we lost the gold medal in 98 I was 19 and I was devastated and it, everything that I was as a person was really wrapped up in who I was as a hockey player and it was a hard yeah. lesson to learn yeah but it was a good one because for the next four Olympics it kind of steered me forward to not have my identity so wrapped up in who I was as a hockey player you know we're we're so much more than what we do for a living yeah. and so Yeah, so I think I I learned some serious hard lessons along the way and got much less detached to my identity being a hockey player. And I actually started to play better because of that, because I surrendered it. I cared less, but I still cared. Mm -hmm. But there was only so much that I can do. You're one player on a team of 20. Sometimes the puck doesn't go in the net for whatever reason. You know, you learn to sort of step back at times. So, yeah, it would have been hard to sleep at night winning a gold medal knowing that I played crappy or we didn't deserve it, I think that would be worse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have you yeah. always been very strict with your training and diet?
1: I really always wanted to be the best player that I could and I really take and took a lot of pride in that. I didn't cut corners in my training or my fitness. I thought I would always be the best to work with to continue learning and whatever weaknesses I had, I always wanted to try and make them a little better for the next year. So Sometimes players don't really care about, you know, their office stuff, but I cared a lot and I took a lot of pride and I spent a lot of money on it to to make sure that I could be the best that I could be
0: on the ice. Mm -hmm. It all like in every area, I think that our diet and our lifestyle outside of it affects all of it. So like as a businesswoman, I know if I'm living unhealthy, my businesses suffer and I see that in the numbers.
1: Right. I mean, I definitely noticed in medicine, for example, there's two things that I've said to myself that I won't compromise no matter what. And that's, I mean, some days you can't have sleep, but sleep and, and my health, my fitness and my diet to take care of myself. Because if I can't do that, how can I care for other people? So mm-hmm. it's a bit of a odd thing in medicine that they drive you so hard and yet they expect you to be at your best to care for people. But if you can't take care of yourself, you really can't. So mm-hmm. that's something that I learned from sport that I take listen to.
0: Okay. So I got to say this, back in 2002, when you helped Canada win the gold medal game. There was so much adversity going on and hate from the U.S. And you had that famous video, that quote that went viral. And I still, I listen to it from time to time where I have it here. I hear they had our flag on their dressing room floor and I wonder if they'd like us to sign it. So I want to know what was happening here. Why the hate?
1: There was no hate. I think there was a lot of... (laughs) it was high stakes so first of all it was obviously september 11th happened and one of the american players lost her father in the world trade center which was oh, devastating wow. for everyone it was a very very emotional time but prior to that we had been playing the americans and we lost every game going into the olympics against them all year long mm-hmm. and yeah, we play each other so much there's just there was a natural sort of hate for each other um mm-hmm. in that sense and then you step into salt lake and that heightened security and kind of us against the world. And Wayne Gretzky's talking about the men's team up against the world and just was a lot of emotion going on to both sides. And so when we had been coming into the rink, U.S. security folks had been telling us, oh, they have your flag in the dressing room. Mm. And not so much as a sign of disrespect, but I think as a sign of this is who we're going to play, Canada, and they were going after us, you know, had the flag hanging up kind of thing. And, you know, the Americans deny that this ever happened, so I'll put that out there. <laughs> <to this laughs> but I, but at that point, it didn't matter because we took that as motivation mm-hmm. and fuel for the fire. And sort of as a group of leaders, we decided that at a certain point, we we're going to tell the rest of the team that, hey, there, there's this flag. And so I was walking with Therese with my teammate, and we were walking into the rank and she turned to me and she said, when we win the gold medal and you get interviewed, do you ask them if they want us to sign it? And uh, I said, <laughs> <laughs> I said well I will and that's what happened So, and then you um, did I did and I was very uh, pat- I mean even seeing Don Cherry years later every time I run into him he'd say oh you got me in a lot of trouble there and I said well I'm probably one of the only ones that ever has so <laughs> yeah it was it was a moment and you know I don't take it back I don't regret it. it it was what it was in the moment if they say that it never happened I'll take their word for it but uh, it doesn't change how we felt in that moment
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Going through the different teams and growing up as you did, when did you first feel like you really belonged?
1: I don't know if I really ever felt like I belonged until I joined the national team. I was always the girl on the boys team, you know, and I -hmm. I was 15 when I started with the national team. So at that point, I kind of found, you know, my people, uh, the Mm -hmm. women that I played with and No, probably around the age of like 12, 13, when I sort of started playing with some senior women's teams and stuff. And that started to change for me. But as a kid growing up, I I mean, I I felt like I suppose I belonged on teams, but I always knew I was the girl. And Mm -hmm. so it was just you're changing your own dress room. You're isolated. You're away from everybody. And not always the easiest thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did your
0: parents force
1: it? Mom and dad are the complete opposite. They many (laughs) times said to me, are you sure you want to do this? It's getting really stressful. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's
0: that's kind of how it went. So they must have just been blown away by your drive and dedication.
1: Overwhelmed. (laughs) They didn't even know what to do with it at that time, for sure. Yeah, it definitely uh, was a lot for them to handle. I was a handful. I had a lot of energy and a lot of passion
0: as a kid. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. So how did you handle the rejection part of it when you were rejected so many different times?
1: I just got... Angry. I got motivated. I used it as fuel for the fire. I remember Michael Jordan once talking about thanking the high school coach that cut him because it motivated him to be the greatest basketball player ever. And Mm -hmm. I think I had similar experiences. You know, the more people would doubt me, the more I would like say, "Well, I'll prove you wrong." Like it just was like you're messing with the wrong person. (laughs) My attitude, and it still is to this day. You know, when people say silly things to me in medicine, or you Mm -hmm. know, presumptions that as a female in a male dominated world, I just, it's just like, Oh yeah, here we go again. But you can't knock me down. You can't touch me. It's sort of how I feel like it's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just, I'm going to keep on keeping on and do my thing. And it's just more about their insecurities than my issues.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. Being in uh, such a stressful environment, did you find that it affected your mental health? Like, did you ever have struggles with anxiety or depression?
1: I think, If I wasn't an athlete, and if I didn't exercise and train the way that I did, I would have been in trouble, yes, because that was my outlet. And so I like to say, you know, movement is medicine, exercise is medicine, and it was for me, you know, when I feel to this day, I train every day, I I need to move, I need to get outside, or I don't feel great. It makes sense with endorphins and all the things that happen in the body, but that's how I cope. That's my moving meditation. So I think everybody needs an outlet. There were I had periods of time where I went through lulls, like we call it a bit of an Olympic hangover, and Olympic depression, <laughs> but never full blown depression or anxiety. I think I always was able to sort of manage it or deal with it in healthier ways. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I know with yeah. um, entrepreneurship, it was a struggle for me early on, with like in two thousand nine or so, with it being just so stressful. And then, yeah, once I moved to a healthy lifestyle later on down the road, it really, really helped and. change things around for me. It's crazy how much exercise really does affect your mental health and helps. So now that you work with the Toronto Maple Leafs and you're studying medicine, what's your plans from here?
1: Just to keep on doing those two things. I love my job with the Leafs and uh, (laughs) my role in development and getting to work with players from junior to Marley's, right up to the Leafs, being on the ice and helping players or having chats off the ice and talking about, you know, things that bother them or that can help them. I have a lot to offer based on what I have been through. And so I really love what I do. And basically what I do in medicine isn't much different. You know, you're dealing with people. It's about helping people, relationships. The only thing is you need a lot more knowledge and special skills to be able to do things. But Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, I really enjoy both of them. And I'd like to practice emergency medicine probably so that I can blend both hockey and medicine moving forward. See what I can do.
0: So you want to be sort of an ER doctor?
1: Yeah, that would be my goal.
0: Absolutely. Wow, that's amazing. And then you get to, yeah, see a totally other side. It's so different hockey to medicine.
1: (laughs) It's actually the same. Things happen quick. You need to stay calm, make decisions. You don't get to make a mistake twice. It's very, very similar. There's not much difference between it.
0: And at what point did you know you wanted to make this transition into medicine?
1: I was a kid. I was 10 years old and my neighbor, actually, she got run over by the grocery delivery truck. He Perfect. Yeah, yeah. And she survived. It was a very scary moment. And I remember as kids, we uh, went to the hospital every day to visit her. And yeah, it was just something that I was around the hospital, around the doctors and nurses and very inspired by what I
0: saw. And I thought, yeah, I want to do that someday. So that's kind of how I got into it. Wow. So ever since then, you just kind of knew after hockey, you would transition into medicine. Do you find, you know, when you're coaching people and encouraging people, do you have any tips that you use to really motivate a team that could be transferred into other areas like businesses and business owners and things like that?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, there's so many synergies between hockey and business. I mean, I think like there's sort of three things that I talk about a lot. The first is the ability to control what you can and let go of what you can't. So mm-hmm. there's just like so many things that happen to us in life that we we want to hang on. You know, we want to control every little thing. And I very much like that. But there's times when that's detrimental. That so letting that go is a big thing. I think the second thing is, you know, the ability to adapt or you get left behind. And so right now, like I do a lot of speaking and a lot of businesses, I speak to a lot of industries talk about change, how, you know, no longer are corporations working in silos. Everybody's sort of cross working in different departments and integrating things. And, and that's just like a team, you know, the medical staff has to have good communication with the coaching staff and then the forwards have to be able to work with the D, the goalie has to be on the same page. Otherwise you know you're not going to have success so the ability to adapt to a changing environment all the time is a great skill to have because the world is never going to sit still and if you don't you're going to be out of a job or you're going to be left behind so making yourself flexible I think is a very skill that you know a lot of people are looking for and then the last thing I talk a lot about is just like pressure and handling pressure and so in the Vancouver Olympics in 2010 people would say to us you know you guys are so much pressure to win in canada and how does that make you feel mm-hmm. and i would say well it's that is pressure but instead of the weight of a nation pushing us down we think of it as the seventh man in the stands coming from behind and pushing us forward and if we think of pressure being a privilege then it's not a burden and so for people that are under a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation every day i like to say you know people wouldn't put you in this position if they didn't think you were capable of handling it and that pressure is a privilege and it's not a burden so you can really spin it for yourself however however you want to and I believe in you know looking for the positive side of things in life and you know nothing is ever as bad as we think it is and nothing is ever as great as we think it is just staying even keel and I think that's better for managing things as they come
0: No, I love that so now you are going to be known as one of the greats in history how does that make you feel I think it is nice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Certainly, it's, you know, it's cool. I never played the game to go into the Hall of Fame or, or or thought about that. Actually, people would ask me, you know, the Hall of Fame, like, oh, like, you must have dreamed about this. It's I never wild. thought about it once. I'd never crossed my mind not once until I retired from the game that there's, the you know, the Hall of Fame. I wanted to win Stanley Cups and Olympic gold medals and I thought about that a lot. But, this other stuff is sort of a byproduct, I think, of just a good body of work for a long time. And that's what I'm most proud of is that in the biggest games, I tended to show up and I played hopefully well a lot. And mm-hmm. my teammates could count on me. And I think consistency over a long time is what I'm most proud of.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, I love that. And I've listened to your TED talk quite a few times. It's phenomenal as well. But yeah, if people want to find more information about you, where can they find that?
1: Yeah. So my website is Haileywickenheiser dot com. Pretty simple. I run a, a hockey festival. We're in our tenth year this year and it's called Wickfest. So w dot dot com and we have Teams from age five all the way up to age 18 in every level and category for young girls um, from around the world. We bring teams in from all over the world. And it's not just a hockey tournament, but it's a professional development weekend for young girls in sports. So they get off-ice sessions with Olympic athletes from all other sports. They get nutrition, meditation, mental health. We do mammograms for moms. Wow. We do all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, it's my passion project. I'm really proud of it. Uh, all not for profit and just try to grow the game around the world and something pretty cool so there's wick fest and then you can find me at, at h on instagram and wick underscore 22 on twitter and facebook's my name so i'm out
0: there <laughs> <laughs> amazing well thank you so much for taking the time out of your crazy schedule to chat with me today
1: yeah you bet emily it was a pleasure thank you for having me